Welcome back to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiba, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of creativity with you. Each week, I'm hashtag gifting you two episodes with ways you can become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best-kept industry secrets to creating content worth remembering. Sound good? All right, let's dive into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time for the goods. Each week, we're going to highlight some of the haps, the 411, the hot topics in the creative industry, in advertising, marketing, and influencer world alike. The purpose of this is to bring you into the conversations that go on within the culture of the creative industry, an industry that you're a part of, by the way. So I hope to inspire you, empower you, and invite you to have a seat at the table. Environmental activist Greta Thunberg was on the cover of Vogue Scandinavia. Like, we love to see it. It is so interesting because I personally found her on the cover, her cover specifically, to be kind of exactly what I imagined it would be creative directionally. But I'm truly happy to see that her impact and her influence in the world has put her on the cover of Vogue. That's a huge thing. Being able to have a message that so strongly connects with the people that you're trying to reach um ends up you know making such an impact that Vogue Scandinavia was like yeah girl we put you on the cover so congratulations Greta that is amazing if you haven't checked out the cover yet you totally should you'll see what I mean when you actually look at it that it's exactly what you would expect she's like sitting in a meadow with animals and there's like greenery everywhere it's (laughs) it's beautiful I'm not gonna lie about that Um, Speaking of Vogue, Vogue Business actually shared a new category of influencers. I saw this on LinkedIn called Genuine Influencers who don't want to sell you anything. Okay, well, that sounds cute, but from an advertising perspective, I have a serious problem with this because one, even if you aren't selling anything for a brand, you're still promoting yourself. You're still advertising yourself. And two... This only creates like genuine influencers and having another little category only creates more distrust around the influencer community. People already don't have that much um, trust, for lack of a better word, towards influencer ads and influencer sponsorships. So now creating this little itty bitty mini group of people who quote unquote don't want to sell you anything, that makes it seem like everybody else who is out here trying to get their bag through brand sponsorships is trying to sell you something and that's the whole purpose of them so being genuine is already the inherent goal of influencership and it should be the standard that you are holding yourself to because if you're not being genuine that's not influencing that's lying (laughs) and according to the FTC it's called false advertising and that's a federal crime so just FYI (laughs) on that um Sweetie's McDonald's meal collab recently ended. I don't know if y'all saw that. Um, 
let's talk about it. So I'm personally indifferent towards Sweetie. I don't really uh, listen to a lot of her music. This is not tea or shade. It's just like I'm not somebody who's part of her target audience or is like a huge fan I guess like girl yes you know tap 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 in that my Bessie and a Tessie like I'll groove to that but I'm not like a sweetie stan but I watched the commercial and I couldn't help but wonder like what is the point of the ad like what's the point of the ad like what is the point like I know she's a foodie and her showcasing different ways to eat her combo was super cool but she has said on multiple occasions, I remember, I don't, can't remember if this was, I think it was The View, actually, where she said that she doesn't really like road food or, like, fast food. So I feel like her collaborating with, like, McDonald's doesn't really make that much sense. But after seeing her episode with Cooking with Paris, I feel like if she collaborated with a seafood restaurant to have her own dish, like a signature shrimp tacos dish, would just make more sense. I just don't understand the point of these celebrity collabs sometimes. Like, they feel too much like dangling a carrot in your face to make you buy something. What is the relationship between McDonald's and Sweetie? Is that her favorite fast food chain? Because otherwise, I don't get it. It just felt super markety, super salesy, and... Okay, I gotta bring this up. I was gonna not, but I gotta bring this up. Did anybody else notice in the commercial how fake the sauces looked? Like, the sauces didn't look real at all like something about them just fell off anyways I was shrieking because I just found that so funny but I the sweetie collab didn't make sense to me at all I didn't understand it if somebody understood it you are welcome to dm me and challenge my opinion but yeah this was not one that I really got granted the Travis Scott one I didn't really understand either but I have heard that he actually really loves McDonald's so maybe that was what made that more of an authentic feeling collaboration so anyways if you have more information on that like you are sweetie's manager or something you can give me some of that inside tea as to why the mcdonald's sweetie meal made sense let me know (laughs) that's it for this week's goods as always dm me at kate mob on instagram or tiktok with any thoughts you have on the goods or submit noteworthy hot topics directly to this podcast by going to anchor.fm slash kindly gifted slash message. So the majority of the questions you ask me have something to do with payment. Like, how do I get paid more? How do I determine my rates? Is it because I don't have this many followers? Is it because I don't have a media kit? And then this evolves into... A, a conversation about how you don't think that brands value you, that you believe you deserve more, that you don't think you're being paid your worth, that you know they have more money, etc., etc. And I'm going to say right now, I don't think you're wrong. You're not. You're not wrong. Okay. But before you think, I know what she's going to say. I've heard it all before. Mm, drag that thought to trash. Control, alt, delete. Because I'm not here to waste your time with things you've heard a thousand times over. Now, from an objective perspective of somebody in the advertising industry, these are not my feelings. These are not my opinions. This is an objective perspective, okay? I'd say they are paying you enough. And if your jaw just dropped to the floor, let me pick it up for you, boo. There are things you need to know 
and be able to bring to the table, which we're going to talk about here, before you can demand more money to advertise a brand's product. The fact that you simply have 30,000 followers, the fact that you simply can create content that looks cute, that's not necessarily enough. And when I'm going to give you these actionable tips and strategies and things that you can actually apply are taken from real conversations I've been a part of while I was working inside brands and agencies. And even when I was studying to become an art director, like this information is timeless. It just adapts to the new media that we have to advertise. So right now, generally speaking, I'm not going to say this applies to everyone, but generally speaking, the majority of brands pay you as a creator to either rent out your space on your feed or because you have X amount of followers or whatever, okay? This is literally like paying for ad space on a billboard and hoping that people will take the nearest exit to, to Starbucks or putting a web banner on Vogue.com for Gucci's new lipstick and hoping that you're going to click. Like, it's not like that much of a robust strategy behind what the ROI is going to be. It's just like, uh, I mean, yeah, this makes sense. Hopefully they'll click. Hopefully they'll double tap, right? Brands could also be paying you because you look a certain way. We've all seen it. Revolve around the skinny white girls. We've all seen it. Or because they need to bump up their diversity metrics, which is a whole other conversation that I'm not going to get into here right now. But the most important thing for you to remember is that they are paying you for the bare minimum act of content creation. The bare minimum that it takes to create a piece of content, that's what they're paying you for. Notice that I did not say that the default reason they could be paying you is that they recognize you as creative. Okay? Which, we, we're going to get you there. Don't, don't you worry. So, the next question tends to be, well, how come they're paying so much more to ad agencies? Like, that's not fair. First of all, ad agencies offer and have been offering for over a century, something that very few influencers can currently offer consistently. Influencers can do it. A lot of them can't do it consistently. And that's having the deeper knowledge and understanding of how to create work that psychologically resonates with your audience. And that comes from knowing who your audience is. Who are you creating for? Like if you could come up with the ideal person that you're creating content for, who is that? If you could sit down with your ideal follower at a coffee shop, what kind of person would that be? What kind of things would you talk about? What kind of things would you bond over? I cannot stress this enough. Write this down. Create this like ideal person profile, okay? My business, for example, and this is like a little obsessive and a little anal, but my business has three target audiences and they're listed in order of importance. The primary audience obviously being influencers and content creators like you. But I have an ideal target audience profile created for the type of person I'm speaking to. So when I'm recording these episodes and or I'm filming TikTok content and creating, you know, products for you, I have that person in mind and their hopes and dreams and struggles and aspirations and I'm not shooting in the dark with my ideas. I know that my ideas are going to resonate with this person because I took time to study them and find out who they are. 
through market research, essentially. That way, I'm ensuring that the, the only people who are going to engage and sign up for my offers and join my email list and give their time to my business in any way are members of my target audience. So if somebody doesn't, you know, apply for a program that I'm launching or doesn't listen to this podcast or doesn't find other content that I create useful, then they're not my target audience. And it's no hard feelings and no sweat off my back, plain and simple. But understanding who you're creating for is so important because it's the foundation of your creative strategy. And when you have a good foundation, then you can build a strong house that you know is not going to fall down. But your audience is that foundation. Understanding them is that foundation. And foundations crack. And foundations got to be fixed. Okay? Sometimes that happens. And that's what we call your target audience evolving. Okay? Your target audience evolving. Sometimes, you know, there may be a little crack in there. Maybe you've got to renovate part of your house. That's fine. That's basically your target audience evolving as your tastes and you as a person are growing and evolving. But having a basic understanding of who that ideal person that you're talking to written down is so important because when you have that written down, then you are able to like use the evidence that you have based on who's actually following you, based on how that person is growing and changing and evolving so that you can go back to that ideal follower profile and change things around. This is so important because it really, it that's... Understanding your audience is the thing that makes you a content creator that's worth remembering or somebody that's going to be irrelevant. (laughs) And I'm going to give you a brand example, okay? So the reason that I'm doing this is because I want you to think like big brands and ad agencies because you are a brand and you are advertising, okay? So for example, Cracker Barrel. If you are listening from a country or a state that doesn't have Cracker Barrel, it's essentially a... (laughs) A southern home style comfort food type of chain restaurant that's typically located off the side of like the highway or off an exit. They're usually located really, really close to the road. So when Cracker Barrel, Cracker Barrel's audience prior to the one they have now was basically just people that they thought were just coming for like a southern meal that was rather affordable, rather inexpensive. They realized through market research that the majority of their audience are actually people that are, you know, driving on the highway, whether they're road tripping or they're commuting or visiting their family for whatever reason, they're, whether or a long haul trucker, for whatever reason, they're on the road for long periods of time. So they evolved their advertising strategy with their target audience. So now the majority of their ad budget is being spent on billboards because if their audience are driving down the highway for longer periods of time, it's more helpful for them to have billboards that direct their, these roadies to the nearest place where they can get a meal that's maybe not fast food, that's actually affordable but still a good home-cooked meal. That's an example of evolving with your audience and they are making way more money than they made before, (laughs) okay? And an example of choosing not to evolve with your audience and what ends up happening is BlackBerry. Now you're listening to this being like, BlackBerry, are you serious? I haven't heard of BlackBerry since like 2007. Yeah, me neither. 
You know why? Because they didn't evolve with their audience. In an age where iPhones and touchscreen phones started to be on the come up, BlackBerry said, you know what, we've been the OG smartphone. We, we let people write emails from Blackberries before they even knew that they could do that. We were, you know, you could surf the web from a Blackberry. You could run your office from a Blackberry. We don't need to have a touch screen. That's not important. That's not what people want. And looking at it now, it's like, no, that's industry standard is having a smartphone, is having a phone with a touch screen, right? And because BlackBerry chose not to evolve, they became irrelevant. So knowing your audience is so important. That's basically the most, like, the most important thing, okay? Now, if you want to claim more of a brand's ad dollars, there's something else you can learn from ad agencies, that brands are so happy to give their money to, okay? And that is the anatomy of content that resonates with your audience. How do you do that? How do you create a content that speaks to the audience that you have now written down and locked down, right? I'm so glad you asked because the art of human behavior is my jam, (laughs) which I'm sure you've gotten by now. So let's break this down. By the way, the the things I'm going to give you, this anatomy of content that resonate that will resonate with your audience is also the anatomy of viral content meaning that if you do any of these things there is a very high chance if not it will going viral because of certain psychological behaviors and how it resonates with an audience that essentially what I'm telling you is you don't need a hashtag or a specific song or hacking the algorithm You need to know how to connect with the people that you're talking to. And this is how you do it. So the first thing is you position yourself as being in the know about something. And you want to share your knowledge with other people. We've seen this so many times, right? Like facial plastic surgeons recommending certain skincare, right? Or um, people that are knowledgeable about ingredients or how things are made or whatnot. When you do that, you are seen by your audience as an expert or somebody with expertise. And if your content has helped them, your audience will do the work for you and they're going to share with others who would also benefit from your expertise. This is known as word of mouth marketing, which is the most priceless form of marketing is when you create something that is so good that helps somebody or solves their problem or tells a story or evokes an emotion that they end up sharing it for you and you don't have to share it or continue to share it. They do it for you, okay? The second thing is, does your content instantly trigger a thought of something else? For example, peanut butter triggers the thought of jelly, triggers the thought of spreading it onto bread, triggers the thought of a yummy snack. Unless you hate PB&J Sammies, then I'm sorry. (laughs) But... This helps to build out a bigger story in your audience's mind and makes your content more relatable. And it also makes your content an essential part of that story, okay? These triggers essentially end with a feeling, which will then be attached to the content you created. Therefore, making the person feel positively, negatively, or indifferently towards your content. And pushing them to, now if they felt something, positive or negative, which we'll talk about in a little bit, 
they're going to share or comment or engage or interact with it in some sort of way. And if they didn't feel anything about it or if the, the trigger that you, the thing that your content was meant to trigger wasn't triggered in their minds, then they're indifferent. They're just going to move on. And that's fine because they're not your target audience, clearly, right? All of this happens kind of subconsciously, but it's really good to understand it. And I'm sure that you have had similar experiences when seeing other people's content. The third thing is, does your content evoke emotion? This is what I was talking about earlier. Essentially, inspiring people to share it. And typically, we share things we either really love or really agree with or we really hate or really disagree with. This is also known as like polarization, right? We lean towards one emotional extreme or the other. That's like reviewing a restaurant, right? Or writing a review on Amazon. You'll see those reviews being like, I typically don't write reviews, but this was so good. Or I typically don't write reviews, but I really hated this. I just want to let y'all know, right? So content that people are indifferent about doesn't get shared because they don't give a fuck. Exactly. Therefore, the way to get word of mouth marketing from your audience is to make them feel something. Inspiration can also mean like making somebody feel something so that they are inspired to share it. Like I said, it could be that they were inspired because they really didn't like something or they were inspired because they really loved it. It could be either or, okay? So the fourth thing is look at how previous audiences have interacted with your content. This will affect how future audiences will interact, okay? It's digital peer pressure. For example, if a restaurant has a line outside the door, you're more likely to be intrigued about what's going on, what their menu is. You, you may want to like even go in more than if there's nobody inside the restaurant or nobody seems to be around it, right? So it's the same thing on social media. You're more likely to like a video with a million likes than, than one with 3,000 likes. And you're more likely to like a video with 3,000 likes than you are with 300 likes. So it's good to understand that too because how people are behaving will will give you insight as to how people will continue to behave. So the fifth thing, this is the second to last thing, is how valuable is your content? Content that is useful is more likely to be shared. And useful can mean that it solved a problem. Now, problems can be emotional or they can be practical. So if your content made somebody feel less alone, then you solved their problem. If you taught them something new that they can apply later, then you solved their problem. If they were sad and you brought them joy, you solved a problem. If you gave them an affordable alternative, problem solved, right? This is literally how advertising works. When a product solves your problem, you're more likely to recommend it to somebody else, right? And that's exactly what word of mouth, word of mouth marketing is. Which again, I cannot stress enough about how valuable that is. The final thing is how good of a story are you telling? Now the trajectory of every good story is that it will often suck you in, evoke emotion, and prompt you to want to share it, right? So if you've ever bought a product by watching a commercial or seeing any kind of ad, then you know this is also how advertising works. How do you ensure as a content creator that you're telling a good story? One really, really helpful tool is, and this 
even the best and most experienced storytellers will do this, which is storyboarding their content. Storyboarding is leading you through a pre-planned, organized order that involves like twists or turns that your audience may not have expected. But the point is that you have ha- you have a plan, you have an an order that you guide them through. It's not kind of like off the cuff. It's not random. It's like, you know, one happens, then two, then three, right? This takes hard work and practice and experimentation. Otherwise, we wouldn't have best-selling authors. We wouldn't have award-winning filmmakers. We wouldn't have the advertising industry. So getting into your flow and just starting to storyboard and see what works for you and see what works for your audience is really important. Something that you probably have seen as a social media tip is hooking your audience within like the first three seconds. So that's maybe something that you can incorporate into your storyboard is like a hook at the beginning and maybe like a call to action or a summary at the end than what is in the middle, right? So those are ways that you can create content that resonates with your audience. And these are also, if you look at things that go viral, they usually fall into one or some of these different categories. So if you're interested in on reading more about the anatomy of viral content and social influence and what makes people share something on social media, I highly recommend that you check out the book Contagious, Why Things Catch On by um, Wharton School Professor Jonah Berger. Super interesting. Anyway, in order to create content, it's important to understand how the people that you're creating for behave, right? This is the fundamental of all successful advertising that has made you purchase something or become a fan of the brands that you love today. Like, I think I mentioned this earlier, but Certified Lover Boy, which was created by art director Damien Hurst, was a successful album cover because it gave the people what they wanted, entertainment and relatability, and ended up being shared so much that Drake didn't even really need another advertising strategy because brands were sharing his content. Influencers were sharing his music. People were promoting this album and this music kind of like through word of mouth marketing, right? Creative without strategy is called art. Creative with strategy is called advertising. And that is a quote from one of my favorite advertisers, um, Jeff L. Richards. It's a beautiful quote. It's so beautiful. I'm going to say it again. Creative without strategy is called art. Creativity with strategy is called advertising. When you give brands a strategy and show them that you understand how to reach people emotionally, not just with a number of followers or your hashtags or whatever, then you can demand more money. Because then you're not just being paid for the act of content creation itself, but you're being paid to come up with creatively strategic ideas that then you also execute. But... Before you do anything else, go and write down your target audience profile right now. It is so important because then you're going to know exactly who you're talking to and then you're going to be able to do, you know, solve their problems or trigger feelings or tell a really good story. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review. 
share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at KateMob for more creative secrets, and don't forget to say hey! See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.